Thank you for tuning in to Conroe United Pentecostal Church today. We pray that this podcast is a blessing to you. If there is ever anything we can do for you, please email admin at conroeupc.org. I do want to talk for a few minutes from my heart about corporate worship. And I know I, I, I know that's a very big subject and we can go a lot of different ways than that. But from the outset, let me say that we will never have a more dynamic worship service as a church family than you have as a dynamic worship service as an individual. Amen. Our corporate worship will never go, our corporate, our, co- our corporate worship will never be more powerful than our individual worship. Amen. Our praise team can never lead a church into worship if they have not already been to worship. I say it all the time. Leaders cannot take people where they haven't already been. For if, if a leader has a vision and is casting vision, but nobody is following, he's just—he's really just dreaming, and he's just—he's just taking a walk by himself. But I'm thankful that we have a worship team that was already in the presence of the Lord before the first song started tonight. I'm thankful that at the beginning of the service tonight, I saw the worship team on their faces at the altar tonight. I mean, I, I believe our worship team is due a hand clap of appreciation for that tonight. Come on. I'm thankful for good worship. You see, the worship portion of the service is the part where you give. The preaching is where we receive what the Lord has for us. But worship is a sacrifice. Worship is very, very, very important. Sacrifice is a very important thing. You can go all the way to the New Testament as early as Genesis. We find the very first sacrifice, the very first animal that was sacrificed. But the only way, the only way the first animal was sacrificed is if a man by the name of Abraham was willing to sacrifice his own flesh and blood, his own son on an altar. Amen. It takes worship costs something. Worship is not free. Worship is not easy. Worship costs something. The most beautiful time of worship all oftentimes comes from the most hard times that we have in this life. It often comes from the biggest heartbreak. It often comes from the it often comes from the ugliest situations. And I don't understand why it has to be like that. But one thing I do know is it does have to be like that. I mean, I'm thankful that as my family the past few years, we have uh, we have passed through the valley of the shadow of death. And I'm thankful that worship was able to get me through that. And I can think back to that Sunday morning, that first Sunday morning that we uh, that we were here after uh, after baby Anna Lee passed away I can remember that my family did not want to be here uh, my wife and I came in for music rehearsal the second that rehearsal was over we didn't say a word to anybody but we went to the office and we shut the door and we cried we did not want to be here and many of you were here that Sunday and you remember the somberness that was here but you also remember that the very first song from the outset of that service something beautiful began to happen Happen in our church and something from that from that service begin to unfold and I don't understand why it takes the death of a baby to lead a pastor and his family to a deeper relationship with God and I don't understand why it takes that for a church to have to follow after a pastor and his family but I'm thankful I'm not thankful for the death of a baby but I'm thankful for the opportunity that I had to walk through that valley and understand that worship is the only thing that will get me through and worship is the only thing that can keep my sanity intact.
fact that worship is the only thing that can keep my mind right at times. For if it was not for worship, if it was not for the presence of the Lord, we don't know what we would do because the fact is the only way that we can really ever feel the presence of the Lord this side of eternity is through our worship. One songwriter wrote the song that your presence is heaven to me. That's just a new version of the old song in the presence of Jehovah, God Almighty, Prince of Peace. And I'm thankful that worship takes me into the throne room of God. And I'm thankful that worship takes me beyond the veil. And I'm thankful that the only way, the only reason I can get beyond the veil is because the act that Jesus did on Calvary and the blood that he shed. And when he died on Calvary, the veil was rent into the, uh, some theologians and historians say, and people that like to study all of this type of stuff say that that veil was so strong that the, uh, uh, it was so powerful and so thick that the strongest of war horses could be tied to each side of that veil and they could pull with all of their might the most powerful beast, the most powerful form of machinery, if you will, at that time, and it could not rip the veil. But the most powerful thing on earth that we all know is the blood of the lamb, and it was the sacrificial blood of the lamb that's a type in Exodus and all throughout the Old Testament that we see manifested on Calvary that was able to tear that. And if the presence of the Lord is only torn by the blood of the Lamb, if that veil was only torn by the blood of the Lamb, that means the most powerful situations, the most powerful bits of opposition that you come against in life will only be torn and you will only get to the other side of that situation by your worship. I am not preaching tonight to you about praise. I believe praise is a good thing. But I'm preaching about something that takes you deep, something that costs you something, something that comes from so down deep that you might not even understand where it comes from, something that can only get to you through a divorce, something that can only get to you through the loss of a relationship or the loss of a job or maybe just the fact that God woke you up this morning and you did not deserve to be woke up. That's enough for us to worship. We might do a lot of things and we might not do a lot of things but the one thing we ought to make sure we do every time we gather together and every day we wake up it's we ought to have worship we ought to have an attitude of worship we ought to have a mindset of worship worship that says I might not make it through but you are still good I might be losing my mind but you are still God I might not be able to pay the bills but you are faithful Could you give a faithful God praise tonight? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Worship, 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 worship is a powerful thing, and I'm thankful for what we feel in the house tonight. It's worship that gets us from glory to glory. It's worship that gets us from valley to valley. It's worship that brings us from the valley to the mountaintop, and it's worship that sometimes takes us from the mountaintop to the valley. I don't understand why it has to be like that, but Solomon said, for everything there is a season. There's a season to reap. There's a season to sow. There's a season to cry. There's a a season to laugh. I I don't know what your mountaintop may look like, and I don't know what your valley low may feel like, but one thing I do know is worship will get you through it. Worship is enough. Worship will make up the gap. Worship will fill the hedge. Worship will fill the void. Worship will make the difference. Mm. Amen, amen. I feel sweet presence here tonight, amen. 
what we have a good attitude for, where we have faithful attendance, and, and how we have our enthusiasm or what our enthusiasm is pointed towards tells the story of where our deep commitments are. That tells the story. That really tells the story of our life. More than the words that we say, more than the songs that we sing, but the commitment and the things that we are committed to tells the story of what is really important in my life. And that's why it's important that my family is at, is, is at every prayer meeting that is offered at this church. That's why, that's why every evening me and my wife, we gather our babies up and we kneel down, or if we don't kneel down on the couch, we lay them in their beds and we hover over them and we plead the blood of Jesus Christ over them because worship is a very important thing and it's, it's hard to worship a God that we can't pray to. It's impossible to worship a God that we can't pray to. It's impossible to worship if you can't pray and probably once you've discovered this, it's probably impossible to pray without worship because they're just really bound together. They, they really cannot be separated but I want to encourage every man that's under the sound of my voice. Many of you are older than I am so I say this with all humility and I say this with all respect but we ought to be praying over our families you ought to lay hands on your wife and on your children and plead the blood of Jesus Christ over their minds you ought to plead the blood of Jesus Christ over your marriage you ought to plead the blood of Jesus Christ over your safety we don't know when the Lord is coming and we might make it to, we might die before he ever comes back but one thing I want it to be said of me is that I was a praying man that could pray the power of God down in my home. I, I don't care if they ever say I was a good preacher or I was a good leader and I can inspire people and I can move a body of people from this place to another place. I, I don't care if they ever say that about me, but what I do care about is that people say that he was a praying man and he was in tune with the Spirit and he had the mind of Christ and he put his family first and he taught his children to pray and he taught his children to give and he taught his children to be selfless. We ought to be a praying church. We ought to be a selfless church. We ought to be a church that is giving of every area of our life, of our time, of our talent, of our resource. We ought to be a church that is less focused with our own wants and more focused with the wants of Jesus Christ and his plan for us and his church. True worship flows from the heart and recognition and response to the magnificence of Christ. If you don't think God is good, no wonder why you can't worship. And if you wonder why you try to worship and you don't break through, maybe you just need to lift the name of Jesus a little bit higher. I spoke just a few moments ago about praise and praise is a very important thing, but it's not the most important thing. But praise often comes before worship. Praise sounds a lot like I love you Lord and I lift your name high and I thank you for waking me up before we get to a point of worship in our prayer life we first ought to get to a place of thanksgiving and praise it's hard to worship a God that we can't give thanks to it's hard it's hard to be grateful for a God that we can't just lift him up a little higher it's important that when we pray this is none of this that I've said is even in my notes yet but it's important that when we pray 
we ought to first find an altar of repentance and we ought to humble ourselves before God and we ought to repent of our wicked ways. I don't care how big or how little the sin is that we have committed, but we better get the sin out of our life and we ought to live right. We ought to be a people who is known for living right. We ought to be a people who is known not only for who we are and what we can do, but we ought to be a people that is known for being fully committed to Jesus Christ and living our life free from sin. And you may say, well, I made a big mistake and everybody knows of my mistake. Or you might be here today and have a humongous failure in your life that is a secret sin. To each situation, I say the mercy and the grace of God is sufficient and it doesn't matter what people know or don't know. All that matters is that God's grace is sufficient for you and he can forgive you. He is just to forgive. So if you've sinned, I challenge you tonight, get the sin out of your life. If you're full of bitterness tonight, get the bitterness out of your life. If you're full of the pride of life, get that pride out of your life. If you're full of lust tonight, find an altar and get that spirit of lust out of your life. We must be a people who are clean. We must be a people who are holy because we serve a God who is holy. And how many is thankful that we serve a holy God? We don't serve just a run-of-the-mill God that everybody else gets to talk about and everybody else gets to pray to a dead God but we pray and we worship a God that is alive tonight and he is holy and we ought to try our best to be holy. I am not throwing out condemnation tonight but I'm sounding the alarm. I'm sounding the alarm that hell is hot and heaven is real and we ought to make heaven our home. Every day we wake up our minds should be on heaven. Every day we make up every day we wake up our minds should be on a new Jerusalem, on a land where there is no more crying, there is no more sorrow, there is no more sickness. That is enough reason for me to not make hell my home. That's enough encouragement for me. I don't ever have to feel his presence again, but just to know that I can go to a place where I don't have to feel any more sorrow, just to go to a place where I don't have to deal with the messy situations that, uh, that this life has to offer. People, the only way that we will make it our home is if we have a heart of worship. And our corporate worship, as I've already said, will never be greater than our private worship. The most important part of your day is your private prayer time. The most important important thing you do every day of your life is give thanks to God and humble yourself and consecrate your life to God. Can you give him a hand clap of praise tonight? Amen, amen. While true worship always manifests itself in our response to God's majesty, true biblical worship also manifests itself in the experience of worshiping with other believers. All that means is that while, while, while we worship God privately and we are in all of his majesty and his great wonder and the fact that, that he flung the moon and the stars into existence and if we were one degree closer to the moon, we would freeze to death and if we were one degree closer to the sun, we would burn to death. That's all that means is that same awe and majesty that we have in our, in our private prayer time, we should bring it to our corporate worship time 
time, and then the atmosphere will be set for the miraculous. Uh, that means we will have already entered into his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts uh, with praise. That verse is not talking about the physical building, but you go read uh, the tabernacle plan. This is a very, this is a spiritual work. That's not just the thing that we say and we do, that when we walk into the house, we ought to have our hands lifted. I believe we ought to have our hands lifted, but we should also be doing what Paul said in 1 Thessalonians. We should be praying without ceasing. That means that we have already entered into his realm. We're not waiting on a band to pump and prime us, but we are already at a place of worship that if somebody wants to be baptized on the first song, the atmosphere is set. We can take them to the baptistry and we can dunk them in Jesus' name. If somebody wants to receive the Holy Ghost during the prayer request, the atmosphere is already set. We've already been here. We've already set the tone. We've already got every distraction out of our mind and we are ready to move it and operate according to the will and the plan of the Spirit for that service. It's important that we have the mind of Christ. I've been hung up on that phrase for the past month, the mind of Christ. I can't even explain to you tonight what all it means because it's so big and it's so vast, but we ought to have the mind of Christ. We ought to have the thoughts of Christ. We ought to apply this word to our hearts that no matter where we go and no matter what atmosphere we are in, good or bad, we are not affected because the mind of Christ is greater than the darkness and people can feel the love of Christ over the love or, or the hatred of the world. The mind of Christ, the mind of Christ. I encourage you to put on the whole armor of God and that includes the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness and all of these things somehow make up the mind of Christ. Amen. I mean, the, uh, the technical term for corporate worship, I know I've said it a lot, the, uh, uh, the real life term is just going to church, going to church. Uh, we ought to go to church. We ought to be faithful to the church house. Uh, anytime the doors are open, if I am physically able to be there or if I'm not supposed to be out of town with family or something that is not more important, we should be at the house of God. That means our children's Sunday, uh, uh, that means our children's homework is not more important than Sunday school. That means uh, little league is not more important than youth night. That means uh, all of this stuff is not more important. And I know I'm a young man to be preaching this type of deal, but it's important in this day and time that we live in. We keep uh, the main thing the main thing. I like all the cool flashy stuff. I like all the production. I, I, I love it all. It's good and it has its place. Uh, but we can't be overly processed and we can't be overly produced that we miss the plan of God not, not just for our own life, but if you, if you don't want to live right for yourself, at least make sure your children are here. At least make sure that your children know what it is to be in an apostolic atmosphere. At least make sure they have the opportunity to be saved. If you want to be a hellion, if you want to be a, if you, if you want to be full of rebellion and be a rebel and go to hell, that's fine. That's your prerogative. I wish you didn't feel like that, but don't put that prerogative on your children. Make sure your children have the opportunity to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news. That's why our children events are so important. That's why our bus ministry is so important. That's why everything we do is so important because it's pointing to a greater goal and that goal is making heaven our home. Going to church. Everybody say, going to church. Everybody say, I am a church goer. 
I'm not, I'm not a fair weather churchgoer. I talked about it a few weeks ago. I, I, I've become addicted to fishing the last year, and I'm not a fair weather fisherman. I found myself uh, over the past winter, I would find myself freezing my backside off fishing in the marshes of Galveston Bay and Chesapeake Bay. I would find myself miserable, and, it ba- and then one day it dawned on me that sometimes I could be more faithful to my fishing than I can my relationship with Jesus Christ. We ought not be fair weather Christians. We ought to be faithful to the cause of Christ in the house of God. And that ought to get a good amen in the church house. Amen. Right after Peter preached the new birth message in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, the church in Jerusalem began gathering for corporate worship. We can find this in Acts chapter 2, verses 46 and 47. So continuing daily is what Luke wrote in Acts, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added, everybody say added. The Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Those who were being saved, they gathered from house to house. They gathered in groups of people. They gathered and they did life with each other. They, they didn't just worship together, but they were familiar with one another. They were friends. They were companions outside of church. That's why it's important that you become friends with the people that you go to church to. That's why it's important that you find people that have, li- uh, that have similar interests that you do, and you do life with those people. You get close to those people because there's coming a time when you might be having a bad day, and there might not be church that day, but you can call your brother or your sister in Christ, and if they're praying like we've been talking about praying. They will be able to fill in the gap for you and plead the blood of Jesus for you and your family. The body of Christ is important. It's impossible to get to heaven and not be a part of the body of Christ. It's impossible to get to heaven and not have any friends who are Christian. I believe you still ought to have some worldly friends because how is the church going to grow if you can't if we can't reach the lost? But you better have some influencers around you who can strengthen you when you are weak and who can pull you up when you are sinking in the miry thick clay of sin. Can I get amen tonight? These people, they devoted themselves to the practice of doing life together. They were devoted to the practice of hanging out and having fun. But they knew that sometimes, just like you and I, when we hang out and we have fun, at some point, church is going to come up. At some point, what's going on around the house of God is going to come up. And if we hang if we hang out for a few more minutes, we're going to move past what's happening at church and we're going to start talking about the goodness of God and hey I need you to help me pray I've got this going on in my career I've got this going on in my family and I just really need you or hey me and my spouse were walking down the road the other day or we were going through the store and we met so and so and could you help me pray for them that is why it's important to be friends with people that you go to church with because we are growing together in God but we must also be growing together in community we have to be growing together in, in community. The New Testament church didn't gather together for legalistic reasons. They didn't gather together. I don't find anywhere in the church, I don't find, excuse me, I don't find anywhere in scripture where there was a 10 o'clock service on Sunday morning and a 6.30 service on Sunday evening. I don't find that. But what I do find is that they were devoted, they were devoted to being together. They were devoted to not forsaking the assembling of themselves together as the right 
as the writer of Hebrews said in chapter 10, we must be devoted to being friendly people, not just to each other, but to the lost. The word devoted indicates that this was their passion, it was their heartbeat, and it was their desire. I am a passionate fella. You can tell by listening to me tonight, I get fired up about stuff. Some of the stuff is stupid and some of the stuff is important, but I get fired up over stuff. And we must be fired up over being together in community. We must be fired up about being brothers and sisters in Christ. We, we ought to get angry when we hear that there's gossip going on in the church. We ought to get angry when we hear that there's gossip going on between churches or between, or, or between other bodies of people. We must be unified together. And I know that makes us feel very uncomfortable because we are all human and we are all susceptible to these things. But if we're going to go to heaven with people, we ought to be able to love people. We might not go to the same church, but we serve the same God. It was a little quiet there. It was a little quiet there. I've struggled with this in my own flesh. I've struggled with this own thing in my own life. But God has moved me past that, and I am thankful. So let me encourage you. We, we do not have time to get caught up in bitterness. We do not have time to get caught up in the past. We do not have time to get caught up in the petty things of life. We must move past this. I don't want to go to heaven with R4 and R no, R4 and no more. I want to go to heaven with whosoever will. And that means that our church is not the only church that's going to reach people. It's going to take our neighboring churches. It's going to take us starting new churches. It's going to take vision. It's going to take unity or else the will of God will not be accomplished in this city. Amen. Everybody say, woo, that's good. That's good. That's a, I know it's not comfortable, but it's stuff that we need to hear. Next, they were joyful people. Everybody say happy. They were like Uncle Si. They were happy, 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 happy people. They were joyful because their focus was on God and not themselves. The easiest way to be happy is to quit being selfish. The easiest way to live a life of fulfillment is to live a life that is giving to others. Think about it. The reason why your relationship with your friends and your spouse works out is because you are not only receiving, but you are giving as much or more than you are receiving. It is important the same principle applies with our relationship relationship with Jesus Christ, but also in our relationship as a community of believers. We must be a church that is devoted to being joyful and devoted to being giving. Everybody say giving. They didn't go to experience worship and just receive, 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 and receive in a formal style service. I'm not against the formal style service. We are in a formal service as I minister tonight, but it was something that was so much greater than just the formal legality of a checklist of, of religion or, or, or denomination or anything, any label that you want to put on it, but they were joyful. They were glad that God saved them. They were glad that the Holy Spirit was falling out in in an upper room in Acts chapter 2 and the ones that uh, the ones that weren't in that 120 were glad that it overflowed out of that 120 and today we're glad that it overflowed from the 120 to the 2000 to the Azusa Street to the Topeka Kansas and to the Houston Texas and there's people that aren't saved yet that will be saved in a few days that are thankful that it's still pouring out at 1612 Oddfellow Street
They went to experience God. They went to have an encounter with God Almighty. They went to expecting the miraculous to happen. Every time we gather, we ought to expect the miraculous to happen. We ought to be upset when the miraculous doesn't happen. And I'm not just talking about miracle signs of wonders of of physical healing, but I'm talking about salvation. We don't have enough people being baptized. We don't have enough people receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm thankful that my buddy Doug was just baptized and got the Holy Ghost, and I'm getting with him this week to teach a Bible study. I'm thankful for that, but we got to reach more people. We got to get in touch with more people because we got to let out what was given to us. Amen. And then next, they had humble attitudes. They were a people of humility. They were a people, they were a grateful people. They were a humble people. They were not prideful of, what, of where they were at in life. They recognized that the only reason why they were where they were at at that point in life was because the goodness of God had saved them, because the the mercy of God allowed them to be saved. They didn't attend church and just complain about the music or complain about the preaching style or complain about this program or that program or the lack thereof, if you will. They, they weren't mad because somebody sat in their seat. They were there in humility before God and others. We should not be a prideful people. We should not be a boastful people. We should be a people who recognizes that the only reason why we are even here today is because of the goodness of God and the mercies of God in our life. Can I get an amen? Next, they had favor with all people. They had favor with all people. The people refers to outside the church. They had favor with all people. They had favor. That means that that whatever they needed, chances are they could get because they were known as being trustworthy people. We should have the favor of the city. You should have in your home, you should have the favor of businesses. You should have the favor of whatever it is that you're buying. You should have that favor. We should be trustworthy people. We ought to not be crooks. We ought to, when we give our word, we should be able to stand on our word. If we say we're going to do something, we should do something. real quiet, but I'll just amen myself right there, because that was good preaching. Amen. And because of this, the Lord added to the church daily. They had favor. They had favor. God used their joyful attitudes for an incredible result. Incredible results. Amen. I don't want to hold you much longer. We've already been here an hour. I'm going to try and cut you loose early so that maybe you'll want to hear me preach again next week. Amen, the faithful family. By the way, this preaching twice on Sunday stuff ain't easy. Amen, I'm I'm glad that I only preach once on Sunday. Now I know why my dad had me start preaching every Sunday. Amen. We, we, We all know the family. We all know who they are in our church or maybe in our friend group. You know who I'm talking about. The people who never miss church, the people who's always there, whether they feel good, whether they don't feel good, they they may come to fulfill their responsibility and they may leave as as soon as the the last prayer is finished or they may leave as the last prayer is being prayed because they might be sick, but no matter what it is, or their kids might have homework, but no matter what it is, that family's always there. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying tonight? I want to be that family. The people who never miss church, even when they're out of town, they they, they find a church to go to on vacation. Now I love it because I can go to church on vacation and never leave the house or never leave the hotel. I can just flip on my phone and I can go I can go to one of my friends who live who have a live webcast and I can experience church. I can experience the goodness of God. I want to be that family, don't you? I want my church to be 
be made up of those families. I want the majority of the believers who call this church their home to be that family, amen? We shouldn't just think of one family when I talk about them. You should have a, 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 you should have a list that is very long discussing that family. You see, the truth about this family is that we all think they're perfect, but they're not. They have just as much or more problems than you have. They, they, a life is a struggle just for them. They're struggling to put money in their 401ks if they're even able to put money in their 401ks. Their problems are great. They, uh, 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 they might have the same struggles that you have. They, they, they get their feelings hurt around church too. They don't like everything that happens around the church just like you don't happen. They, they don't even like all the music and they might be a part of the music team. They might not like that. Sometimes the pastor might make them mad, but they are still here and they are still faithful. The faithful family will always be known for their joyous commitment and their smiling face. Everybody say smiling face. At their funeral, we will talk about how faithful they were. We will talk about uh, how strong their commitment to God was. We will talk uh, about how they never wavered, how they were a pillar of the church, and how they were just steadfast. They were rock solid. They were dependable. That is the type of family that builds strong churches. Weak families don't build strong churches, but strong families build strong churches. And for us to stand on the shoulders of the previous 25 years... It's going to take us to be strong. The next 25 years is going to take just as much sacrifice as the previous 25 years took. They sacrificed to get us to where we are. And my generation, we have to sacrifice to get to the next level, to the next dimension. That doesn't mean that we don't like things the way they are. Yes, well, I love things the way they are. But I recognize, I recognize that if we're going to grow and we're going to move and we're going to facilitate more life change and more miracles and more marriages in the middle of a Sunday night service and more baby dedications and all of that stuff that I'm going to have to work and you're going to have to work. We ought to make up in our minds that we're not going to come to church to receive, but we're coming to work. We're coming to put another brick on the building. We're coming to make this thing stronger. If the Lord don't come in my lifetime after I'm dead and gone, I want the church to be better off tomorrow than it was today. I want the church to be stronger tomorrow than it is today. And the only way that's going to happen is for strong families to join together with a common cause. We might disagree on things. We might not like everything, but we come together under the umbrella of the body of Christ and Conroe United Pentecostal Church, recognizing that if the lighthouse is still going to shine a light, and if the, if the emergency room is still going to be in operation, there's got to be somebody that's going to light the light and twist the light. Or there's going to be somebody here that's going to be able to care for the wounded and the hurted. Is there anybody that's committed to grow in the church? Is there anybody committed to a lifestyle of worship? See, this family... Uh, 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 this family, they, uh, they get caught up in life. They have struggled, but what they have realized is that when they can get past being the begrudging people and they can get over their hurt feelings and they can get over the things that they don't like or the things that maybe have made them bitter or maybe the things that just really, really don't make sense to them, the things that they have questions about, when they can move past that and realize that there is a greater goal, there is a common goal that we could come together and we can participate and we can have a joyous commitment around 
the church. I, I, I'm behind a lot of the stuff that you see here at the church, but there's still a bunch of stuff around here that I don't like, but I am joyous. I recognize that it might not be about me and it might not be about what I think, but it's about how can we grow the church? How can my worship, how can my dedication, what can I do, what can I put forth, how can I sacrifice for the greater goal of reaching Montgomery County? Because I am not going to be a begrudging Christian. I'm not going to be a begrudging spectator, but I am going to be a joyful participator. Everybody say participator. It's going to take all of us. we got to get on the same team. we got, and I don't even know any problems. I don't know why I'm talking like this tonight. I was talking with somebody this afternoon, and, I, and we were talking about how we're thankful that if there's gossip going on, we sure don't know about it. I am thankful for that. It hasn't always been like that, but I am thankful for that now. But I believe we can't just get... Uh, we just can't sit here and be thankful. Well, we don't have gossipers. We don't have any problems. My, my, isn't God good? No, we got to get out and we got to get some people that need the goodness of God. God didn't save us so we can be a church that's free from gossip. God didn't save us so we can be a church that has worship that fits our own needs and a style of worship that fits what we like and a style of music that fits our preference. God did not save us for that, but God saved us so we can come together and we can reach the lost. We must be a church that never tires of reaching. We must be a church who is who grows in passion and burden and in relationship relationship with each other. Amen, amen. I don't know where half of this stuff is coming from, but I'm having fun tonight. I hope you're having as much fun as I am. Many times we have to beg people, sometimes you have to beg people to attend a worship service. If you were here this morning, you know what I'm talking about. Man, it was spring break and pastor on vacation and my dog ate my car keys and I can't make it. It was that morning, but we got through it and I'm thankful that we got through it. I got in the car tonight and I said, babe, I'm not preaching tonight. I don't care. I am not preaching tonight. And she said, babe, you got to push through it. It's going to be good. So y'all ought to thank Pastor Kayla because here I am. Because I was happy sitting on my comfy couch. Amen. But we got through it. Amen. That, that's just what it takes. We got to push past what we feel. We got to push past how we feel. We got to push past. We, we, we have to push past all of that because we recognize we are a part of something that is bigger and greater than what we even can even imagine. The reach of this church is greater than you can imagine. The plan of this church is greater than you can imagine. If you could even, if, 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 if we, not just you, me, if, if I saw the potential of Conroe United Pentecostal Church, I would be slain. I would be laid out cold. If God, if God revealed his whole plan to you and I, it, 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 our heads would explode. We cannot fathom God's plan. That's why he reveals himself in small segments. And as we get one thing, he reveals the next phase of life. That's why scripture says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Because if we saw how great the, if we saw how great the victory, how great the battle was going to be, we would, we would never believe we could win. If we saw how big 
big the sacrifice was going to have to be, we would quit. Uh, we wouldn't even go. But his word is just enough uh, to keep us going on our way. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful for that. That's his protection. Uh, that's his knowledge. Uh, that's his thoughts being above my thoughts. Uh, that's his wisdom saying that there's a 29-year-old boy down there that don't know what he's doing. But I'm just going to show him enough uh, because he's dumb enough just to keep on walking if he can just see a few feet in front of him. Church family, God's plan is great. I speak of things I don't even know about tonight, but his plan for the church is not small. His plan for the church is great. See, we got to get past the things like, it's not football season, so I can say it tonight. we got to get past missing, uh, missing church on Sunday night because of Sunday night football. we got to get past the, of during football season, I'm guilty of it. As soon as 11.30, amen, prayer is said, I hit the door because there's a 12 o'clock football game starting. We have to get past that because there might be a sinner in the house who could not give a flying rip about the football game, but they need somebody to hang out with. They need just as much fellowship as they do preaching and prayer at the altar. They need, uh, they need some discipleship. Uh, they need how to be trained. They are babes in Christ that don't even know how to walk yet. And because we can walk a little bit, we can walk a few steps without stumbling, we're just going to take it to the house. Uh, no, we got to keep on reaching down. We got to keep on helping those uh, that aren't yet where we are. And as we grow, they will grow. And as they grow, their friends will grow. And there is a revival. Hear me tonight. Uh, it was prophesied by Brother Gurley. There is a revival that is going to shake this city. We are in the fastest growing city under 50,000 people in the United States of America. And if you don't think that's not an opportunity for revival, you are crazy. We are in a prime spot for exponential growth. Book of Acts outpouring. I'm talking about we can't fit them in the building. I'm talking about we don't know what we're going to do. I'm talking about we buy a new building and we build a new building and they don't fit in that building. I'm talking about having a campus. I'm talking about having two services on Sunday morning. I don't know what it's going to look like, but what I know is it's going to happen. And it's going to happen because we're going to work and our worship is going to be pure and our motives are going to be pure and we are dedicated to the cause of Christ. Put your hands together if that's how you feel tonight. Oh, man, I feel good. I feel good. I feel good. I feel good. We got to get past all this stuff. For many Christians, all other activities have become mandatory while the worship service has become optional. We, we got to flip the script. We got to change it. Nothing is more important in our, in our week than the house of God. If, you, if, it's, if it's possible for you to change your work schedule, change your work schedule. If, if you have to rearrange family time, if you have to rearrange whatever it is, rearrange it and make the house of God your priority. I'm talking we are going to make the house of God our priority. God is going to do a good work in this city. God is doing a good work in this city. The end is not here. Our best days are not behind us. But this will be a house, as Brother Gurley preached about, of multiplied mercies. This is a house of multiplied mercies. Ugly situations, horrible situations, things that people want to talk about and gossip about and snicker about. But we're got. 
but we're not going to get caught up in that. We're going to get caught up in being the hospital room of the Spirit. And we're going to heal people. And they might not stay here. They might get healed and they might move on. That's okay. We are just going to do what God wants us to do. People might come and they might leave as fast as they go. That's all right with me. We are going to fulfill our will, God's will for this city. No matter what that looks like, we are going to fulfill that will. I am dedicated to that. Amen. John chapter 4. John chapter 4. I said I was going to hurry. I'm only on page 2. I'm going to hurry, though. John chapter 4 says this. But the hour is coming, and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. And then it goes on to say this. God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Everybody say truth. Spirit and in truth. We worship him in spirit and in truth. This is a declaration of the commitment of our worship. What this means is that no matter how we feel, no matter what we feel like, we're going to worship God. This is God literally asking. He, he's, not, he, he's, he's almost begging us. He's desiring us to worship him. This is God's way of asking us to fall in love with him. It's, 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 this is God's way, pardon me, I know I'm simple, this is God's way of writing on the piece of notebook paper, do you like me, will you have a relationship with me, check yes or no, that is what is happening right here, and I know, I know it's, much, it's much more sacred than that, I'm not trying to dumb down scripture, but I'm trying to paint a picture to where we can imagine it, God is so longing for relationship with you and I, God is so longing, he doesn't want a rock to cry out, he said if they don't worship me, a rock will cry out but there was a dependent clause on the front of that declarative sentence that says if they don't worship me the rocks will cry out we ought to take out the if we ought to scratch the whole sentence and it ought to read we will worship him it will be an imperative sentence it's not something that I think it's something that I know we will be a church that worships him if he wants to love me love me Jesus if you want to use me Use me, Jesus. If you want me to sing, I'll sing. If you want me to teach, I'll teach. If you want me to pray, I'll pray. If you want me to drive a bus, I'll drive a bus. If you want me to be an usher, I'll be an usher. If you want me to open a door, I'll open a door. If you want me to write, if you want me to write a thank you card saying thank you for coming to my church, I'll write a thank you card. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Out of all the churches in Montgomery County, God, if you're going to use one church, use my church, Jesus. Stand with me this evening. If you're going to use